Hey y'all, welcome to A Natural State of Murder. I am your host, Jess, and I am very excited to be here with you today. As always, I hope that your week and now your weekend has been absolutely splendid. I am very excited about today's episode because we have finally made it to Arkansas, the natural state, the namesake of this podcast where I was born and raised in Woo Pig Suey. With all of that being said, I do have to give a trigger warning for today's episode. It is fairly brutal and it does involve children and the topic of rape and incest does come up in this case and I know that those are all topics that can be very, very sensitive to some people. So I do want to throw that trigger warning out there before we get started. Um, With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our case for today. Um, Today we are in Dover, Arkansas, and we will be discussing Ronald Gene Simmons. Ronald Gene Simmons was born in Chicago on July 15, 1940 to Loretta Simmons and William Simmons. William died of a stroke when Ronald was three years old. And less than a year later, Loretta remarried and she married a man named William Griffin. William worked for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and his job required the family to move to Little Rock, Arkansas in 1946. However, the family, they didn't really stay settled and they moved around the central Arkansas area for the next 10 years. In 1947, Ronald dropped out of high school and joined the Navy. Ronald was stationed in Washington at Bremerton Naval Base, and while there, he met Bersabi Rebecca Becky Oliberry. I am not positive that I said her entire name correctly, and if I didn't, I apologize. She did go by Becky, though, and so we will call her Becky for the rest of the story. Ronald and Becky got married in New Mexico on July 9th, 1960. Over the next 18 years of their marriage, Ronald and Becky had seven children. Ronald was in the Navy for two years and left the Navy and joined the Air Force. Ronald stayed in the Air Force and completed a total of 22 years in the military. During his military career, he received the Bronze Star, the Republic of Vietnam Cross, and the Air Force Ribbon for Excellent Marksmanship. Ronald retired in 1979 at the rank of Master Sergeant. However, after that, everything for Ronald Gene Simmons went completely downhill. Two years after he retired from the military in 1981, Ronald was investigated for sexual abuse of his oldest daughter, 17-year-old Sheila. The investigation was open while the family still lived in Cloudcroft, New Mexico. There was a criminal investigation and DHS also became involved with the family. Ronald Well, he feared that he was going to be arrested 
Cry me a river, Ronald. Not only were there allegations that Ronald had sexually abused Sheila, but Sheila had a baby and she reported that Ronald, her biological father, was the father of that baby after he had raped her multiple times, fearing that he was going to go to prison, unbless his heart. Ronald packed up his family and fled to Arkansas. When they first arrived in Arkansas, they lived in Ward, and then the family moved to Dover in 1983. Ronald purchased 13 acres of land in Dover, and their property became known as Mockingbird Hill. Yikes. Neighbors, well, neighbors pretty much reported that Ronald was weird as shit. They put two mobile homes together and made one big home. They did not have indoor plumbing, and this was not due to plumbing not being available or not having access. This was just Ronald's choice. Also, Ronald would not allow there to be a phone in the house, and he also had the children help build this huge privacy fence around the entire home, and there were areas of this fence that were 10 feet high. Ronald, of course, had trouble holding down a job, and he went through several low-paying jobs in nearby Russellville. He worked at one business called Woodline Motor Freight, and he was fired from there after several complaints of unwanted sexual advances. His longest standing job was at a mini-mart, where he stayed for about a year and a half. At this point, Ronald had subjected his entire family, his children, and his wife Becky to years and years of physical and sexual abuse. On December 22, 1987, evidence shows that Ronald bludgeoned and shot his wife, Becky, to death. Christmas was just a few days away, and their older son, Ronald Jr., was visiting for the holidays, and he was at the home At the time this happened, and Ronald Sr. proceeded to shoot his son Ronald Jr. to death. Ronald Jr. also had his three-year-old daughter, Barbara Simmons, with him for the visit, and the monster that is Ronald Sr. strangled his granddaughter to death. Ronald is an absolute douche canoe, and he had previously had his children dig a very large pit on the property. This pit was dug months before this incident happened, and Ronald took all three bodies to this pit, dug by his own children, and buried the bodies there. He claimed the pit had been dug for an outhouse. Ronald then sat and waited in his home for his younger children to get off the school bus. Later in the day, the bus dropped off 17-year-old Loretta, 14-year-old Eddie, 11-year-old Marianne, and 8-year-old Becky. When the children walked in the home, Ronald told them he had Christmas gifts for each of them, 
but he wanted to give them their gifts separately and asked for each child alone. One by one, out of the sight of the others, Ronald strangled his children and held them underwater in a rain barrel until they were no longer alive. All of their bodies were found in the same pit where Ronald had buried the bodies of his wife, son, and granddaughter. Satan himself lived in Ronald Jean Simmons because this complete and total wad of shit that is called Ronald waited the long weekend in his home for the rest of his family to come visit for Christmas. Becky and Ronald had invited their older children to come on December 26th to celebrate and have an after-Christmas meal. Billy and his wife Renata and their one-year-old son Trey were the first to arrive. William and Renata were shot to death and their bodies were left next to the dining room table. He covered their bodies with their own coats and some random bedding that Ronald just threw over their bodies. Trey was strangled and drowned as the other children, and Ronald put his little body in the trunk of a car that was found behind the Simmons home. Sheila and her family arrived next. Sheila was shot, and her body was put on top of the dining room table, and Ronald covered her body with the tablecloth. Her husband, Dennis McNulty, was shot as well, and seven-year-old Sylvia Sylvia was the baby that was said to have been fathered by her father after he had raped her several times. Ronald then strangled Sylvia as well. Sheila also had a 22-month-old son named Michael, and he was strangled and his body was placed in the trunk of another car on the property. This complete failure of a human being went to Sears in Russellville and picked up Christmas presents he had previously ordered but did not come in on time because, I don't know, I guess Ronald didn't want to waste his money. While he was in town, he went to a club there in Russellville and then went home for the rest of the weekend where the bodies of some of his family members still laid there in the kitchen. On December 28th, Ronald took his son's car into Russellville and went to Walmart and bought a second gun. Ronald then went to Peel, Eddie, and Gibbons Law Firm, where he shot and killed receptionist Kathy Kendrick. Kathy was a former co-worker, and she had previously denied all advances that Ronald made on her. He then went to Taylor Oil Company and shot Russell Taylor. Russell was also the owner of the mini-mart that Ronald had previously worked at, but Russell survived. While there, he also shot and killed J.D. Chafin, who was a firefighter and worked at Taylor Oil part-time. J.D. may have just unfortunately been in the wrong place at the wrong time. His next stop was at the mini-mart, where he shot both Roberta Woolery and David Slayer, and miraculously, they both survived. Ronald's last stop was at Woodline Motor Freight. He shot and wounded Joyce Butts. Joyce was shot in the head and in the chest, 
and this badass woman survived. He then took worker Vicki Jackson into an office by gunpoint and made her call the police. Ronald told her that it was over and he had killed everyone that had wronged him. Like, how in the hell did your children wrong you, Ronald? When police arrived on scene, he surrendered. Ronald confessed to his shooting spree across town and the hell on earth he had left behind at his home. Ronald had annihilated his entire family, his wife, his children, their spouses, and his grandchildren. He was sent to the state hospital in Little Rock where he was given two competency evaluations and was eventually cleared to stand trial. On May 12, 1988, Ronald was convicted of the deaths of Kendrick and Chafin in Franklin County. On May 16th, he was given the death penalty plus 147 years. Ronald never used his rights to appeal his conviction or sentencing. On February 10, 1989, he was found guilty of the 14 counts of capital murder of his family in Johnson County. During the trial, the prosecuting attorney provided evidence of a motive, a letter found in a safe deposit box in Russellville. It indicated he had a love-hate relationship with Sheila. Becky had also written a letter to her adult son saying she was a prisoner and so were the kids. She didn't want to live with Ronald anymore, but she stayed for the kids. Witnesses testified that Ronald was jealous and controlling. Others also provided testimony. Others also provided testimony that Becky was about to divorce Ronald, and that is what set him off. During the trial, certain details came out that caused Ronald to lash out at the prosecuting attorney and punch him in the face. He also attempted to struggle with a deputy and get his gun, but he was unsuccessful. I guess Ronald was not done showing all of his crazy. He was sentenced to death on March 16, 1989. Ronald never used any of his appeals in this case either. Ronald was found competent to waive his right to appeals. There was a case filed in the Arkansas Supreme Court, Whitmore v. State of Arkansas, that challenged this, stating allowing this would challenge the appellate rights of other death row inmates. The Supreme Court overrode that appeal 7-2, but the process delayed his execution. At the time of the appeal, Ronald was sitting in his prison cell, right where he belonged, eating his last meal when he found out his original execution date was stayed. I would say he had more days to live with what he had done, but let's be honest, Ronald did not care. On May 31, 1990, then-Governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton, signed the execution order for June 25th that same year. It was the quickest execution carried out from sentencing in U.S. history, 
and the good Lord knows Ronald Jean Simmons deserved it. No family claimed his body, and he was buried in a pauper's plot at the Varner's prison unit. Ronald Jean Simmons gives a whole new meaning to family annihilator. Family annihilators are 83% male. 65% of those are men in their 20s or 30s. Family annihilators, they have not always had their own category. For a while, they were labeled as serial killers or spree killers. And many had the false opinion that these crimes usually ended in a large police standoff. There was a study done on family annihilators, and these types of killers, they were studied for a three-decade period, and that study showed 81% of these killers either attempted or completed suicide after the fact. There were no recorded instances in that three-decade period of any standoff with police. Stabbings and carbon monoxide were the most common forms used, and a majority of them happened in the family home. The most common cause of these family murders were family breakup, especially if contact with the children was going to be cut off. This made up about 66% of these cases. The other causes that followed were financial difficulties, honor killings, and mental illness. The study also identified four types of family annihilators, anomic, disappointed, paranoid, and self-righteous. Self-righteous family annihilators, this killer seeks to blame his crimes on the mother. He blames her for the breakdown of the family. There are times he may even contact his partner and tell her what he is about to do. He is the type that feels he is supposed to be the breadwinner of the family, and the man being the breadwinner of the family is his his ideal piece of the family and the way it is supposed to be and central to the function of the family. You know, in many ways, Ronald Gene Simmons falls under this category. You know, if it is true that Becky was going to divorce him, And that is what set him off. His family's falling apart. And he blames her for that. Disappointed. This family annihilator, he believes his family has let him down. They have disappointed him, usually in the worst way possible. An example would be children that do not follow like the religious traditions or the cultural beliefs of the father. And you know, Ronald kind of falls under this too. His letter that was found in the lockbox, you know, it states that he had a very strong love-hate relationship with Sheila. And so that's putting some blame on her. But also when he tells them, you know, the killing's over, I'm done. I have killed everyone that has done me wrong. Well, that includes his children as well. And so in his mind, They had some blame also. They had disappointed him in some way. Anomic. This family annihilator has planted his family firmly in his economic status. 
His family is a result of his economic success. He gets to display his family as an achievement and have bragging rights. For example, a trophy wife, but the whole family is labeled that way. If he experiences economic failure, his family no longer serves him any purpose. This is kind of like, you know, Chris Watts, for example, and his his wife and his children no longer served him any type of purpose. And he was having this affair. And instead of divorcing his wife, he just he kills off the old family. And his idea was he was going to start all over with this new woman. Paranoid. This family annihilator perceives an outside threat to his family and there is no convincing him otherwise, or there is no one else that has any type of control over his family or gets to dictate how he runs his family. For example, if social services or the legal system were ever to be involved, he would have this deep-seated fear that they were going to take his children away. The paranoid family annihilator, the paranoid family annihilator is motivated to kill by his twisted and sick desire to protect his family. Other studies suggest that the family annihilators, that they are committed by 95% men, and they are mostly white men in their 30s that have no criminal history. There have been female family annihilators, but just a handful that I could find, and most of those have been be- They've been labeled due to mental illness. But that is Ronald Gene Simmons, folks. I'm telling you, Satan himself lived in this man. Thank you all so much for listening. And I hope that I didn't scare you off. And I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.